Schultz and Adrian Broadus. All right, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Talk No Show yesterday because we had playoff football. We had Buffalo in a uh, – it really wasn't even a snowstorm. The snow it was already – it was finished, but there was so much snow yesterday in Buffalo that fans were throwing snowballs every time the Bills scored. It was like they had – every time something big happened in that game yesterday, Buffalo had like a snowball party. That was basically what I watched against Pittsburgh. And then last night, uh, you know, look, the Eagles – Eagles have been a disaster now for weeks – and all they did was seal their fate, losing to Tampa Bay in another bad loss. Somebody said earlier, what, what was worse, Eagles or Cowboys? And you know what? You kind of thought the Eagles were going to lose. That's the difference. Everybody really, nobody expected the Eagles to go yesterday into Tampa Bay and win that football game the way they've played. They were just, it, that, that was like the Titanic. That ship was just sinking. Cowboys, hey, look, nobody. I mean, nobody expected that. Even if you're a Packers fan, not in your wildest imagination did you actually believe they were going to go in there and destroy the Cowboys. Maybe they thought they could win in a close game like some people picked. I think Daniel last week picked uh, Packers by three or four, something like that, when he called into the show. But, I mean, for the most part, nobody thought they'd be up 27 nothing. Nobody thought they'd have such a big fourth-quarter lead that they could be in cruise control and take out their starters. And clearly, Cowboy fans, oh, I can't wait to hear from Conrad this week, Adrian. I am so excited because you know Conrad's going to be calling us up at some point since uh, the last time I spoke to him, he was pretty excited and ready for this playoff run. Yeah, between Cowboys fans who are – upset and, and you know questioning the future uncertain about what's ahead for Mike McCarthy for Dak Prescott by the way everybody for those who are saying oh I guess McCarthy's job is saved just realize uh, Jerry Jones and the brass the ownership brass they take that quick trip to Mexico to de-stress as soon as the season ends so wherever they're vacationing let them have the R&R and when they get back to business you better believe there will be some changes I don't know if it's going to happen to McCarthy or Dak or what's what's going to be but obviously things can't continue like this if you're the Dallas Cowboys uh, moving forward and for Aaron Jones huge shout out to him the 915 uh, salute uh, after scoring the second touchdown scores three against the Cowboys practically owns a stake in uh, AT&T Stadium right now Mm -hmm. in his seventh season in the NFL and despite all the adversity he's gone through this season uh, really closing out the season uh, the best way possible and being ultra productive right now Aaron Jones now you're right about that he was amazing I I tweeted out that he should be in Dallas Cowboys ring of honor because all he's done is uh, destroy the boys every single time he plays them. I mean, you think about players historically, and I can't think of any out of conference player that or out of division uh, opponent, I should say, who's ever been better in his games than Aaron Jones has against the Cowboys. The most rushing yards per game against Dallas by running back. Team history, minimum of three games. You have Walter Payton, who averaged 115 yards a game against the Cowboys. You have Barry Sanders, 119 rushing yards a game against the Dallas Cowboys. And Aaron Jones leads both of them. 123 yards he averages against the Cowboys in any game that he plays against Dallas. Right it's, ama- it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Ahead of Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. I mean, that's just, that shows you the impact that he has had, which is, uh, it's a phenomenal stat. And uh, again, I, I know that Cowboy fans, you know, they, they were hoping that Aaron would play well and the, and the uh, Packers would lose. Uh, but no, the worst case scenario for Cowboys fans came true. And that is that the Packers thumped 
the Dallas Cowboys. They destroyed the Cowboys. And, I mean, that game was not close. Even in the fourth quarter when the, Cow- when, when, when the Packers called off the dogs and then the Cowboys scored a couple of uh, garbage uh, touchdowns later to make it interesting. I mean, by then, the Packers already knew this game was over. So, you know, it was just uh, impressive. Jordan Love, uh, that defense, and everything about it. And it really wrapped up a, a a very lopsided wild card weekend. We're outside of the Rams and Lions. Every other game, all five games, were blowouts, Adrian. There was there was nothing super about super wild card weekend. Nothing. Yeah, that sometimes happens. You obvi- you sometimes have these kind of lopsided games. The things that you don't have are home underdogs. Uh, you know, winning how they did, like the Bucks, home underdogs, uh, showing it to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And then how about the emergence with C.J. Stroud and yeah. company with the Houston Texans? They were underdogs against the Cleveland Browns. The Joe Flacco experiment uh, came crashing to an end. Uh, so that's obviously over right there. You know, I-, I would think that the Miami Dolphin fans and how they feel about Tua in the postseason has to be pretty similar to how Cowboys fans feel about Dak. Now, the difference is we've seen it with more sample size with Dak Prescott. He's, what, 2-5 and five in postseason games. Tua, you know, he has a smaller sample size than that, although you see the ceiling, you see the limitations, uh, and you kind of wonder for both these guys who are facing that contract extension, the contract negotiations, what do you do? Because if you're a general manager out there in the NFL, you understand how difficult it is to draft a quarterback into find the guy quote unquote but at the same time can you still cycle back and throw your quarterback out there when you've had uh the proof right there in front of you that they can't have success in the postseason I don't know I don't know if that's the thing right there it's a great point it is a great great point in fact you also wonder I mean after what happened over the weekend is Dak Prescott any different any different than Tony Romo they have a lot in common don't they both yeah. failed in the playoffs. Yeah, and what you could also Great regular say, season quarterbacks. Yeah, I was I was just going to say that. The regular season always kind of overshadows what they do in the postseason. And I feel like the Cowboys, they, they this was the year, right? They win the division. The Eagles are sliding. The NFC is down. The 49ers are the top, the cream of the crop in the NFC. But other than that, you can get past the manageable Green Bay Packers who are young. You could get past the Rams. You feel good about the Lions, so on and so forth. And they couldn't even get out of the first round. I don't know if they were overlooking it. I don't know if they were underprepared. At one point mm-hmm. in the season, I was uh, thinking that McCarthy was one of your more safer and conservative coaches. Now I'm scratching my head because can he not prepare the team for a postseason victory? They were 8-0 at AT&T Stadium. There's no excuse to come out the way that they did against the Packers. None. Absolutely none. But that's, uh, you know, what we have to talk about today here on Sports Talk. By the way, uh, what a weekend it was. We saw, um, you know, the NFL games. We saw UTEP um, men's and women's basketball fall this weekend to FIU. I was at the women's game and uh, that game was was very difficult uh, to swallow in the fourth quarter when really FIU just hit every three-point shot they possibly could to win that game. As far as the men go, uh, completely opposite because the men had a 16-point lead with eight minutes left to go in the ball game, and that is when FIU came back and the Miners went ice cold, had no answer. And uh, Adrian, as uh, you heard during a minor talk Saturday, probably uh, one of, if not the worst loss so far, the Joe Golding era, just because we saw UTEP blow a 16-point lead with less than 10 minutes to play. 
and end up losing that ball game. So that right there is something that I know we'll be, I'm sure, talking about here on the show as well. And uh, you know, that's just a uh, it's a bad one. There's there's no other way to put it, but uh, it's uh, it's a loss that took a season that already had fans uh, a little. Uh, I mean, I don't even know how to put it. The fans were uh, just not. They were getting upset. They were getting frustrated. They're already off the bandwagon, and all that did was uh, take fans to a different level. So, uh, again, we've got uh, the UTEP Coaches Show coming up tonight, 6-7, to out at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue with both Keith Adams and Joe Golding and John Teicher, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about that coming up as well. So as you might imagine, yes, we are busy, busy, busy here on the program today. All right, uh, why don't we get to the phones and uh, start things off for us. In fact, who will begin? How about Daniel? He is going to be first up here on the show on this uh, Tuesday afternoon where we will have Bob Moore join us inside our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Bob Moore, uh, the editor-in-chief of El Paso Matters. He uh, has never been on the show with us and uh, excited about that. So Bob will be joining us here in studio coming up uh, an hour from now. But first, let's begin with Daniel. Daniel, welcome aboard. What's going on? I love you. I love you, Steve. I love you, Adrian. Yeah, we love you, too. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Adrian, for naming Cappy's show All Hell Breaking Loose. Well, I, I would say this. Um, did you actually, hey, did you name the show All Hell Breaking Loose? Is that, was I that, should, is that, yeah. Was, is that, did yeah. you do that while I wasn't aware? I, wasn't even, I didn't even know of that. I know you made should, the show Steve. All yeah, Hell Breaking Loose. Did he do that? Did That's he what name? Adrian said. Is that what he said? What, did he say that if the Cowboys lose, All Hell would break loose? Was that what came out of his mouth? Yep. Well, he's right. He's you know he's a genius. So I, I'm. I think Adrian's ahead of the. Uh, I think he's ahead of the curve right now, don't you? Yep. Then my next my next thing is to my newest best friend who I love passionately, the Foss. Oh yeah, you and the Foss go way back. I know that there is a there is a long distance love affair between the two of you. What's your message for the Foss? Thank you for giving us the winning formula. Pound them, baby. Pound them. Pound them. Just like you pound your little brother, I know that will. I I remember that. That was and the direct. I think do? that was. I think that was the quote on Friday's show when he joined us and talked about how the Cowboys needed to make a statement. Isn't that what? Uh, isn't that what the Foss said? Yep. Yeah. And what did we do? Heavy doses of Aaron Jones. Hmm. Six hmm. out of seven scoring drives. Well, that happens. So yep, Aaron Jones hey, was amazing. We, That's for sure. Can we give? Can we give the Foss and Adrian keys to the city in their own special day for this year? Oh my this honor they gave us. Oh, you're out of breath. Listen to you. You're, you're so you're so worked up. You're already tired and out of breath. Um, Adrian, what do you think? Should well, would you would you like a key to the city of El Paso? Is um, that something that I just we should look say into? This. I don't want to be any in any kind of conversation based on the group chat that you, me, and Foss and Chris Fernandez are in right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be any association with Foss and the key to the city based on our uh, you know group chat. Okay, so no key to the city, nothing like that. If it's with Foss. All right. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's fair. I do. All right. Well, listen. Um, you know, that's it's good stuff. Let's I, revisit this if Bill Belichick's the head coach of the Cowboys next week. Then everything comes to fruition, doesn't it? That's right. It? Yeah. Every single thing comes to fruition. I'm with you on that one. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in. Thanks for starting us off. 
Daniel, as uh, we get going, 14 past the hour. Uh, Adrian, I am working on uh, trying to get into my, uh, my, my, thank you very much, my, my social media on this new computer. Let me go to George. He joins us next. Hey, George, what's going on? Hey, Steve, what's up? It, it, was, uh, it was a pretty disappointing uh, weekend, yeah. starting with the women's, women's game, getting blown out by FIU, and then I was, I was very passionately looking for, forward to, to UTEP taking care of FIU, and that disappointed. That ended up in a disappointment. Yeah, a it tough. was just it, we got so close, mm-hmm. so close. And, I mean, I, I thought we were in the driver's seat, you know, four minutes out. I was like, we we got this. We we're there's no way we're gonna give up this lead. And lo and behold, here comes FIU out of nowhere and, and it just it just dumbfounds me how these kids, you know, found a way to lose when, when they were up what was it, like fourteen points with with a little less than four minutes, think, four and a half minutes to go. Yeah. I, I, I can't really understand what this team is about. I mean but you're not alone. Nobody good. can. I don't think fans understand yeah. it. I don't think anybody understands it right now. And that's the toughest part right now. That no, Adrian, I don't have an answer for that one. Do you? No, I mean, it's really complicated, right? Because you can look at a lot of different things and the turnovers and the offenses where it starts, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things that you want to talk about for this UTEP basketball yeah. team. And bottom line, uh, they're just not, you know, they're not where they need to be and they're not winning. That's true. That is very true. And so. then and then going to the, the Cowboys uh, exiting the playoffs the way they did, they deserve to lose the way they showed up. Well, I, I mean, they didn't show up. Yeah, didn't show up, and it just all facets of the game. They 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 got beat, and and I think uh, I I think they that uh, that Green Bay has the formula, and I mean, they just had to go back and look at the Bills game, yep. look at the Arizona game, and 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 just the overconfidence that they showed, wanting to come in here and not play and think they were gonna come out with a win. That's not going to happen. And everybody's talking about uh, Mike McCarthy losing his job. I think the whole team as a whole has a lot of reflecting to do, and they're going to have a whole offseason to look at at everything that went wrong that could have gone right. Mm -hmm. But they just, when players, uh, and you know this, Steve, when when, uh, winners go out to win, they go out to win. I mean, let's talk about, you know, I, I don't like the guy, but, you know, he's a GOAT, and there's a reason he's a GOAT, and that's Tom Brady. He can motivate, you know, anybody to elevate their game. And I, I think Dak, as much as I love the guy, and he's padded his stats, and he's done great, he is not the guy. I mean, he's not the guy in Dallas. And, I mean, a lot of people are going to give me a lot of slack for it because they love the guy. I love the guy, but he's not the guy. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy. He's like Romo. I mean, I loved him too. He he racked up his stats, but you know they're not winners. They're 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 just not. You, you can't you can't make uh, a lump of coal into a diamond. It's just not going to happen. And if you do, you need somebody like Bill Belichick, and he won't come to Dallas because he's not going to contend with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is not going to give him the reins to the team. That's just not going to happen. So that's a fairy tale in itself. And I've always loved the lump think? of I've always loved the lump of coal reference. I really do. I mean, I don't look. The thing is this, okay? And I was I was talking about this with somebody. As long as Jerry is involved, the way he is, it doesn't matter who coaches. Doesn't matter anything, and yeah. and, and there it's never going to change. And yeah. um and and Jerry's eighty two, 
And you would think at the age of 82, you would finally say, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and and just try to let somebody that really deserves to run the football run the football, and I'm going to own the team. But that's not Jerry. He can't do that. He he'll he'll ne- as long as he's alive, he will never be able to do that. And if that means that the Dallas Cowboys will never have postseason success because he's involved to the level he is, that's the downside right now of of Jerry. And you don't want to say you wish the guy would die, but you just wish he would step away. And I don't think he can do that. I don't think it's in his DNA. Well, I I totally agree with you. And then it starts from the front office. He will never fire himself as a general manager and, and, it's just we have to grin and bear it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm 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 a I'm I'm a longtime Cowboy fan. Win or lose or draw, I'm mm-hmm. I'm there. I, I take all the slack on on social media, you know, and I take it with with a grain of salt. You know, it is what it is. I love the team. I love to cheer for the guys. I'm not gonna buy uh, any any Micah Parsons, any Dak Prescott uh, apparel. I, I I go out with my name and I put my my name on the back of my jersey, on the back of uh, and I wear my number that I nice. used to wear in high school. Nice, you know, and and I represent that way. And I love the team, but you know, honestly, I, I'm I'm getting pretty pretty you know discouraged about the whole thing. I don't blame you. Know, you. And, and this and this goes back a, a, a while ago. I mean, when Dak took over, they had the opportunity to bring somebody quality in and they chose to ride it with Dak. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen with this kid. I just, I love the guy. I really wish he could be a winner, but you know, all things, all things considered, you see Troy Aikman, you see Roger Staubach, you see what these guys did, the legacies that they have. And they had it for a reason because they were winners. They were proven winners, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to it, he just cannot win that game. He just doesn't have it in him, in his DNA. It's not there. And it, it, it just wasn't him. It was the defense. Everybody in general, and that, that they, were, they were out of sync. And I think they, they just went out to lose is basically what I think it, it just boils down to. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. And I feel the same way as you. I do feel that that's exactly what happened. It was a team effort. Everybody, everybody that needed to play well failed. I mean, that's just what it was. I mean, you know, we could put we could put it all on Dak the way the Foss wants to, but you know, there was there were others, plenty of others that were involved with that. And and I appreciate the phone call, um, Adrian. I, I know we talked a lot about this. I mean, it was a team effort for the Cowboys to play like they did. It was, and I think that uh, a lot of Cowboys fans are always going to say, well, they always want something different with Dak, but when you realize what's out there and what's different, there's just not a lot of options. So that's what makes this job so difficult. That's what makes the NFL so such a uh, difficult place to win in. When you have the quarterback, when you have the guy like Mahomes, like Burrow, like Josh Allen, like Lamar, then you have the guy. But then outside of that, there's just a lot of, I think there's a lot of pretenders or guys who are almost there when they really have a ceiling. And, yeah. it's, you know, if you're going to be a quarterback that leads a team to the Super Bowl, unless you're one of those four guys, you have to have a big supporting cast or a lot of things around you in order to have success. 21 pass. I got more phone calls to get to in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One. He'll start us off with this traffic update. Brian Regan's coming to town. We're going to be giving you a chance to win tickets to that show. In fact, very, very popular uh, comedian right now and Adrian, always excited when we can give away uh, concert tickets to uh, a big show like this when he's coming uh, to El Paso. That's exciting, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. Let's send our uh, our listeners to this uh, event. 
There we go. Great job, Adrian. You're as, no clue. No uh, you clue. are Sorry, you are man. about as up to speed as I am on this. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is the first I've heard of it. Well, you know, now you'll have some more to hear about. Let's go back to the phones as we continue. We got a minor talk mashup. We got awards to give out from Saturday's game, and we got a lot more to cover on the show. One line open, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. We're with you till six. At six o'clock, it's going to be Utah basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding live from Rudy. Country Store and Barbecue uh, with John. And let's go right now to Cruz. He's next up. Wants to get in on the program. Cruz, uh, happy Tuesday. What's going on? Oh, not much, guy. Hey, so I, I want to exp- uh, tell you about an observation I, I noticed. I love observations. Give me a good one. <laughs> when the Dallas Cowboys played against Arizona, when they played against San Francisco, uh, Buffalo, um, uh, Green Bay, and I'm missing somebody. Uh, uh, gosh, well, they were for some reason they're they're so slow. I mean, they're not quick, they're not fast. Mm-hmm. They don't finish their the the, the assignment strong. Uh, I don't know, maybe because they, they, when they're going up against strong teams, they change their formations and make adjustments. Maybe when a, normally a wide receiver goes in motion, they might change it to the other wide receiver or, or a tight end. Yeah, uh, Maybe they're making adjustments, and some of the guys are not catching on. They're supposed to react in a uniform rhythm. And if two or three of the guys, or one or two, let's say two, they're, they're not sure, then that throws the other guys off, and that could be why they're starting slower. But I, I, I would expect the coach, coaching staff to have picked something like that up already. But there's the Arizona, uh, San Francisco, Green Bay, Miami, and, and um, uh, golly, no, I forgot the other one again. But that's what I noticed about them. Uh, maybe it's the changes that they're making because they, they try and confuse the opponent, you know, uh, on the defense and offense. And, and you can see this right away. On the first series, I noticed that they were not quick and they were slower. And, and the, the other team is like if they're, they're looking to see, hey, if I messed up, what can I do to correct it? And, and while they're thinking about that, the other team just takes advantage of one or two of those guys. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I don't know exactly. I'm. I'm trying to figure it out myself. You know, and, and well, we got. Uh, yeah, I was very disappointed in the men's basketball team too. You know, they, I thought they had it, and uh, you know, this one man saying, uh, one of the, this last caller saying that um, the coach from, uh, you know, uh, I can't. <laughs> this me. What's the, um, that coach? He said that he wouldn't come to El Paso. The um, Oh gosh, I can't think of his name. I don't know. I, I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, from uh, where uh, Tom Brady used to be, the coach. Belichick. Are you talking about Belichick, Belichick yeah, to Bill the Belichick. Cowboys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was going to point that out too. That yeah. Jerry Jones is just like uh, Al Davis was, and George Steinbrenner, you know, in baseball and. Uh, well, he, no, he, I mean, I thought George, there came a point where George just finally gave up. Remember, in George's last few years, before he passed away, that's when he took a step back, and that's when those great teams from the 90s came around, because George finally stopped meddling. He Eventually, a bell went off, and he understood, and he got to enjoy the last few years of his life with Yankee championships and that nice little dynasty. It's something that, you know, you know Jerry, is. it's never going to get through to Jerry. 
Yeah, and, and you know, uh, even Bill Parcells, when he uh, took over the reins, he mm-hmm. said that he he wanted to uh, draft the guys. You know, hey, if I'm going to uh, cook the meal, let me get the uh, something like that. It put, he put it, and, and it's true. Uh, you know, if you're drafting your guys. And the coach has different ideas that yeah. that will conflict during the season too, because you know he he, he has his system, but you got guys guys that um, might fit better in a different system. So I do believe Jerry Jones need, needs to let go and and, and let them take care of uh, you know their drafting and and the play calling. He used to do that with uh, the, I can't remember his name uh, that redheaded coach uh, Jarrett or talking about Jimmy Johnson. Uh, who are you talking yeah, about? No, they're, Jason they're, Garrett. Jason Garrett. No, he never Jason he was still, he was still involved with Garrett. Remember, he was no, never no, no, Jerry no. Jerry has never been disassociated with this team. The guy has his own press conferences after games. Yeah. Name another owner radio in the show. NFL <laughs> that in a radio show. Name another owner in the NFL that has that involvement. Nobody. No, no, no. No, that's what I was gonna say. He had him in a, in a very short reign. He would come up yeah. from the skybox, go down, and go tell him what to do during the game. I know they got they got to stop it, and it's never going to stop. And sadly, this is the downside to Dallas Cowboy football. I mean, it's the one commonality you got you, your owner. Your owner won't you can't 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 keep his hands off no matter what happens to the detriment of the team. All right, I got calls to get to. Thank you, Cruz. Bottom of the hour. More in a moment. And uh, hey, Conrad's on the line. Can't wait for that call. But first, here's Adrian in Sports Center. Thank you very much. All right, we got two calls to get to. Actually, three calls to get to. We are full. Uh, Conrad, you're coming up. But first, Eddie in Fort Bliss has been waiting. Eddie, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, Steve. How are you doing, brother? Doing fine. Thanks, Eddie. You ready for that Baltimore game this weekend against Houston? Yeah, I am. I'm trying to figure out whether or not I want to remember Saturday or not remember Saturday. That's how bad it's going to be because I think it's either going to be one way or the other. It's either going to be a huge blowout or a huge blowout. You don't, don't see it being. You don't see it being a close way. game, is what you're telling me. Either way, I don't see it being a close game. All right. Well, but we'll see. One thing I got to say about even I wouldn't say Pittsburgh, but I'd definitely say Miami, Dallas, and um, uh, the uh, Cleveland. Really, all three of those teams quit. If you watch those games, I can handle failure because everybody fails. Right. I can handle losing because somebody's got to win. But what I can't what I can't handle is quitting. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, the Eagles game yesterday, the Eagles were a perfect two hand touch team. Yep. Because they just did not want to tackle. They looked like they didn't want to be there. Right. The Dolphins, Dolphins for sure didn't want to be there. And you know they could say it's a cold weather. Hey, Kansas City played in the same cold weather. And then if you look at the Cowboys, nobody on the Cowboys team actually said anything to anybody. That was the most depressed-looking sideline I've ever seen in my life. You know, and I'm not a Cowboys fan, but had you done that with DeMarcus Lawrence being there? Had you done that with Chris Candy being there? Yep. They would have been up in somebody's butt, just like, hey, I I get it. We're down X to X, but you need to get your head in the game. You need to do what you can do to get in this game, and that's it. Yep. The The only person I've seen with any bit of an attitude out of all the losing teams all the weekend was Jason Kelsey's brother. That was it. No, you're right. Kelsey was the only Kelsey was the only one. I think he went up to uh, Hertz once or twice and started yelling at him, and that was it. That was all the emotion you've seen out of any of the losing teams all weekend. 
It was a weird, weird weekend. It really was. Like, this was a, I mean, we had one close game out of six. We had, yep. um, you're right. I mean, it just, and, and God, it was just, wasn't good football. It wasn't good football. Rams and Lions was terrific. Oh, and that it was just a terrible oh, weekend. Yeah. It made, like I said, you know, every team had the right to be there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But which one of them showed emotion? The other ones just quit on each other. Mm-hmm. And maybe the reason why Jason Kelsey was so emotional was he knew he was going to be retiring after the game, and it, and it really got to him. And that's a good possibility. Yeah. I wonder, though, if he's actually going to retire or if it's just one of those I retired in a moment, Brett Clark style. No, he's 36 years old. How many more years does he, he doesn't need to play? Right? No, he doesn't. He and, doesn't uh, being, and, and being a 36-year-old offensive lineman, that's a tough gig, man. That's a He's played a long time. He's already won a ring. I mean, I don't know how much more Jason Kelsey wants to do this. No, I, I agree. But I don't know if it's as much as he was doing it in the moment, though. Yeah. I mean, th- that's just my theory. What do you think, Adrian? No, I think he stays retired. I think yesterday was emotional for a reason. I think he had been hinting at it all season long, and I think now it's just the reality of Jason Kelsey retiring. So mm-hmm. I think he he will retire. 37 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Here's Conrad joining us next on the show. We called you out. You called in. Great to hear from you. And uh, man, oh, man, I'm sure uh, it's been a tough, tough last few days uh, for you. Yeah, well, I, I tried to call in yesterday, but I forgot you guys had the uh, the Bill Steelers game on. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, before this game even started, I picked the Packers to win. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that was wrong with this, I said that the score would be twenty-four twenty. I knew Aaron Jones was going to run it down their throat because, you know, like uh, Mike McCarthy says, uh, we picked a bad day to have a bad game. Uh, yeah, you did against the Buffalo Bills when they ran it down your throat. You did it against the Forty ers when they ran it down your throat. You did it against the, uh, the 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 Cardinals when they ran it down your throat. I mean, it, it, it's uh, McCarthy. I mean, that guy. I'm going to tell you what. I mean, the only reason that guy had any success at all was because of Aaron Rodgers. But I'm going to tell you right now, I can guarantee you Aaron Rodgers was changing every call at the line because Mike McCarthy is an idiot. That guy, that guy knows nothing about uh, calling an offensive game plan. He knows nothing about calling you know, a, a game plan in general. I mean, the, the, guy, the guy is trash. And then we're stuck, we're stuck with Dak. Mr. $200 million man, fourth-round draft pick from Mississippi State. Every game, I suck. I sucked. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it's a wake-up call. Yeah, it's a wake-up call. You, you, you know, you're, you're a fourth-round draft pick. That's it. You're not, you're not going to make it. You're never going to be successful in the NFL, uh, you know, beyond the regular season. You know, you can get your, your records and everything you want against teams like the Giants, who suck, against teams like the, the Commanders, who suck. You know, you get 500 yards, you get your five touchdowns, you know, you're breaking all sorts of records. Congratulations, you know. Once you get to a big game, you got the, the deer in the headlights look with, a, you know, open mouth like you're hyperventilating and everything. You can't do anything. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's just pathetic, you know. And, 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 and I've said before, we've had this conversation so many times about Jerry Jones. Yeah. I mean, he's on, he's on the way to Italy in his yacht right now, you know, because, he, you know, he, he, he just doesn't want to deal with it. I mean, the guy... I mean, just everything this guy has done in the past, uh, you know, 30 years or whatever it is after after uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, was fired, has done nothing nothing to 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 get the co- the, the Cowboys going in a positive direction. Nothing. I mean, it, it's just you know it, it's ridiculous. 
you know, and, 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 then, and then you just look at the personnel uh, that the Cowboys have. I mean, these guys are, I, I mean, you know, Tony Pollard is, is the primary running back. They have, they have, I mean, they have CeeDee Lamb. They have no other receivers. Uh, their, their secondary is trash. Their linebackers are trash. Their defensive tackles, which they, they've been drafting defensive tackles and linebackers for the past 10 years with no success. I mean, at least fire Will McClay, for God's sake. I mean, he's the president of, of personnel, whatever whatever the hell he is. Fire him. I mean, that's got to be the easiest thing to do. I mean, am I wrong? I don't know. He just called the secondary trash, and Deron Bland had like a uh, career year. So, I mean, he was good last year. So, I don't think they're all trash. I think they've got players. They've got bodies. I just feel bad because it's almost like no matter whatever happens during the regular season, once the playoffs come around, this team is cooked. That's the sad part. I mean, they've won 12 games each of the last three years, Conrad. They've had, you know, they had home field one year and lost, and then they had this situation and lost. I mean, it's... They're the they're the best regular season team to just completely go into the toilet in the postseason. It's I, I just it's hard to explain. It's really hard to fathom how that team couldn't get up for the game on Saturday. Well, or on me, Sunday, I mean, on Sunday, in the, yeah. in the, right now they're playing in the NFC East, which you know, other than the Eagles last year, and uh, you know the the NFC East stinks. So basically, they get their twelve wins against uh, teams with losing records. You know, they, they kind of lucked into a, a win against a team like the, the Detroit Lions, you know, with what happened at the end of the game. I mean, that, that, that's all it is. It's just smoke and mirrors, Steve. It's all just right. smoke and mirrors. I mean, if, if you want to be, be one of those fans that goes, uh, one of those AT&T Stadium fans that goes with your, your pink uh, 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 Dak Prescott shirt to the game and wants to go there and just get in fights and enjoy the TV and everything like that, well, I guess this is your team because this isn't my team. And I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty much, I've, I've had it. I've had it with Terry Jones. I've had it with his team. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Appreciate the call. Conrad's out. Simple as that. He's at his end. End. All right. Hit the transfer portal. Yes, he is. Conrad is open now for business. If anybody wants to talk to Conrad about another team to root for, this is the time to do it. We'll follow that up with Luis and more calls in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Continue here on Sports Talk. Bob Moore still to come. We've got Brian Regan tickets to give away as well for his show coming up here. Uh, a lot more coming up. 505-6009. That is our telephone number to get into the program. Let's keep things moving. Luis is joining us next. Luis, what's happening? Well, <laughs> same old, same old. Yep. I always said it, Steve, as long as Jerry Jones is the owner, nada, nada, baby, nothing, no progress. I remember, I will never forget the day that they announced Tom Landry. In fact, I saw Tom Landry. He came uh, at, to a conference at the Civic Center, and we went, you know, I went representing my, my business, well, the the organization where I was working for, and it, it hurt me a lot when I saw a, a co- uh, Jerry Jones on uh, at the Sun Bowl during the the game, exhibition game between the Raiders and the Cowboys. He was about two feet. We were apart two feet. Uh, he was walking down the, the the stadium. I mean, up, and I could have gotten the the autograph. No way, baby. The same 
when I saw him at Candlestick Park. Uh, I, I went to we went to the game to the champ, NFC Championship game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Forty ers No way, baby. Well, let me get to the point. Dan Quinn, F, he failed. Ceedee Lamb, he was confused at the first. At first, the defense it sunk. Dak Prescott, another Tony Romo, like you said. Got Coach McCarthy. Did you see his face? Dazed and confused, baby. Let's Eppelin. And that, that the, the kicker, the kicker, the, the, that kid, he he started miss. He he missed a on a field goal, right? Yes. Okay. Now let me tell you. Come on, Luis. You know it was just—it was just tough. It was—it was one of those nights. It was like it was everything was spiraling out of control. Is that pretty fair to say? It was just one of those nights where when it rains, it pours for the Cowboys. Yes, sir. Aaron Judge. I remember when you had him on, on your show that I told him I'm a Cowboy fan, Aaron, but I'm going to buy your sh- your uh, Packers shirt. And what a what a player! What a runner! What a gentleman! Yeah. Classy. I'll end up with this, please. C.J. Stroud, Houston, quarterback. The wide receiver, Puka Nakwa, L.A. Rams. The wide receiver, Rasheed Rice, Kansas City. Jameer Gibbs of, of the Lions and the tight end, Sam Laporta. Uh, tight end, Dalton Kincaid, Buffalo. The, what what players, man. What rookie players. Great stuff. I'm, Luis, I got to run, pal. I got two calls to get to, and I've got about three minutes to duck everybody in, so I appreciate the call. Let me go next to Enrique. He joins us here on the show. Enrique, what's going on? Hey, Kat, thanks for taking my call. Sure, Enrique. Hey, um, it was just disappointing. Um, I've never seen Jerry cry like that. I know we've seen it uh, through 27 years watching the Cowboys just fall apart since 95. I've never seen Jerry that emotional. Well, and I don't know if that's going to be a call of things to come. Maybe he's just being calm right now, but I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Maybe karma's finally biting him in the butt. He's finally realizing now that he's older, he can't be doing things the way he is, his own way, and needs to, like, move things around. Maybe, hey, there's a dark horse rumor going around that Bill Parcells might go to the Cowboys. That'd be pretty cool. Again? But, um, I really Wait, Bill Parcells <laughs> again or Bill Belichick? Oh, I'm sorry. Bill Belichick. I'm oh, sorry. William Bill Parcells. Belichick. Yeah. Okay. That would be interesting. William Belichick. But yeah. I, I think next year might be an opportunity for Trey Lance to get a redemption here. Well, could happen. Although, I mean, that's the thing. If you're the Cowboys, do you unload Dak? And I'm sure there are plenty of teams that would take him off their hands. That will be an interesting discussion to make. Enrique, thanks for the call. Munch is up next. The Sports Talk continues. How you doing, Munch? Hey, good to talk to you, Cap. How are you? Good. Well, I'm doing fine. Thanks, Munch. Appreciate it. Hey. I I hate the overreaction from the Cowboys fan. I want to piggyback on what the Conrad guy said. You know, we don't need you as a Cowboys fan. You sound like a big sissy to me, crying like the whole time, and he's sick of this, sick of that. Doesn't even sound like he knows football. But first of all, I want to say, Dak, I've always been on the fence with him. He made two mistakes, and it cost him two touchdowns. Other than that, he was 41 for 60. He was. He's probably going to be the you know the runner up for MVP. He had a great year, you know. So to say, oh, Dak sucks. This guy sucks. I think the Cowboys got exposed because they don't they don't really have linebackers. On I think it was Hasselbeck that said post game 
on 48 of the 54 plays Dallas played defense, they had six DBs or more. And they just can't tackle because they're getting blocked by, by linemen and they're just little bitty defensive backs. So I think them, Vander Esch, it hurt him getting hurt. Mm-hmm. They just don't have any linebackers to make plays, and, and that's how they got exposed. They got totally outcoached. They got enough talent to win. They won 12 games, like you said, three years in a row. Guys, quit crying. And if you don't want to be a Cowboys fan, don't be a Cowboys fan. Don't call in and whine about them. Stick with them or, or go home. There you go. Munch, appreciate the call. Good way to end the hour. When we come back, more calls plus Bob Moore, El Paso Matters. He'll be with us, and we'll be giving away some concert tickets to see Brian Regan live at the Plaza Theater later this month. All that's still to come. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, start of hour number two here on the show. Excited to have you back. John Teicher, an hour away. He's live out at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on the west side. I tend an art craft for Utah basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding. He'll join us a little bit later in the hour. But first, excited about having this man back with us. In fact, his website, El Paso Matters, is a must. If you haven't had a chance to check that out each and every day, you need to. He's a Bob Moore, a longtime editor-in-chief of El Paso Times, who's with us here in studio. Great to see you, and thanks for taking our invitation up and joining us on the show today. How are you? Doing good, and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. You've uh, been enjoying the NFL playoffs like everybody else has over the last uh, you know, four or five days? Uh, as a Denver Broncos fan, I have been boycotting the, uh, the playoffs. There's nothing in it for me. Uh, uh, and I take no pleasure in other teams' misery. So I've, I've got no, no dog in the fight this year. That includes the Cowboys. So you're telling me that as a Denver Broncos fan, every year as the Cowboys exit the postseason or don't make the postseason, that uh, does nothing to you as a, uh, as a fan? Post-2015, I realize I have no reason to hold uh, any other team's misery against them as a Broncos fan. Uh, I, can, I can relate to it. So uh, I don't root for or against anybody. Does it marvel you when you see a team in your division like the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, what they have done with Andy Reid uh, ever since really Patrick Mahomes came on, on the scene? Oh, it, it's just it's just incredible. And uh, uh, one uh, moment of joy in an otherwise dreary season for me was uh, the Broncos finally snapping their uh, 27-year losing streak to the uh, Chiefs or whatever it was. Long, long. It's almost like the Jets losing 15 in a row to the Patriots before they finally beat them in that snowstorm in the last game of the season. Yeah, I realized I have like a, a seven-year-old nephew, uh, grandnephew, who never saw the uh, Broncos beat the Chiefs until this year. So wow. uh, uh, that, that that struck me hard. I like that. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, for people listening that um, are not familiar with El Paso Matters, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, that's been uh, your, uh, really, your, I mean, I, I'm a baby, your pride and joy ever since you put it together. But uh, let, let our listeners know a little bit about the website and, and really uh, your goal for uh, when you established it and, and what it's turned into uh, years later. Yeah, so we're, we're a nonprofit news organization, which is something uh, fairly new in the American uh, journalism landscape, although not entirely unprecedented. Uh, we started publishing in uh, February of 2020 uh, with uh, me as the sole employee. Uh, three weeks after we published our first story, COVID-19 hit and the world was turned upside down. And that kind of forced us to 
to change mission. But we've had a lot of luck building um, uh, uh, funding support from uh, across the country. Uh, we now have a newsroom of 10, uh, uh, which is one of the largest newsrooms uh, in the city um, uh, for a four-year-old organization. That's a good accomplishment. We still have a lot of work to do. We don't have a sports section. Uh, That's true. We do sometimes intersect with, with sports. Uh, one of my favorite stories we published in the last couple of years was one on uh, Tim Hardaway's induction into the Hall of Fame uh, that was written by Russ Bradbird. Uh, we uh, hired Russ as a freelancer. Russ is one of those just unique talents out there, great musician, great writer, uh, great basketball coach, kind of uh, makes me feel inadequate. Uh, but other than that, we focus a lot on in-depth and investigative reporting uh, about issues that, that we think uh, and that El Pasoans tell us are most important to them. I noticed also, in addition to not having sports, uh, entertainment is not really a subject that you go deep in on the website. Yeah, I, I, I brought it uh, to, to culture. Um, uh, there's a lot of cultural activities that we'd love to cover more of, but as we raise money um, and, and establish priorities, we have to figure out what we want to hit. And I think expanding our cultural coverage uh, – to include entertainment uh, would be a, a big goal for us over the next couple of years. How big is the staff at El Paso Matters, uh, yourself included? Uh, Fifteen total people, 10, 10 in the newsroom. Uh, uh, we have, I believe, more news reporters uh, than any other news organization in town. Uh, I think everybody is aware of sort of the decline of local newspapers over the years. That's uh, one of the reasons I left the El Paso Times in 2017. So we now have more news reporters uh, at age four than uh, the El Paso Times at age 142, 43. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's good news and bad news. Uh, it reflects our growth. But, but I do think uh, it's unfortunate for any community to have an erosion of local news. And, and cities all across the country are facing it. Uh, but we, we see it uh, really prominently in El Paso for a lot of reasons. No, you're right. And, and again, for you, that's that's a positive with the staff you've built and how you've taken this website really from an upstart to where it is today. It's sad, though, for the Times. It's sad that, you know, it's, it was the only paper in town uh, after the Herald Post uh, shut down. And, and it's a shame that really, uh, you know, it's a shell of what it once was. Yeah. And it's, it's a business model problem uh, uh, compounded by, I think, some ownership issues with, uh, with Gannett, uh, uh, you know, the, the way we've always paid for uh, journalism in this country is we run advertisements adjacent to news content that worked really well until it didn't. Uh, and um, newspapers were very slow to adapt to the changing digital world. Um, we paid a heavy price for that. And it's not that people aren't interested in news. It's just that the way people consumed information changed and we just didn't keep up with it very well. Bob, on the same topic right here, I find it real fascinating because I graduated from UTEP in 2019. And as I was leaving, you know, when I started, it was all about the prospector. If you were a writer, you were a writer. If you were a videographer, you were a videographer, photog, photog. But then as I was exiting, it kind of transformed into, well, you kind of have to know all of the skills. You have to know a little bit of photos, videos, and writing, or whatever it might be, interviewing skills, broadcasting skills. How have you seen the job evolved even within your own newsroom? room with El Paso Matters. Yeah, I think there's an expectation that people will have a broader range of skills. Uh, you know, you, you came out in, uh, of journalism school in 2019. 
you know, I came out in the early 1980s. I was one of those Watergate babies that got into uh, journalism because of all the president's men. And I could focus on just writing. I didn't need to know anything else. And that's changed quite a bit. And so uh, everybody's expected to know how to shoot their own video, take their own photographs, um, increasingly to cut their own audio. Uh, so I think uh, uh, there's an expectation that people have to do all of that. And on top of that, you have to build your own audience. Uh, that was never a consideration. We had a circulation department that took care of all of that back in my day. And now uh, individual journalists are really building their own brand and, and building their own audience along with them. How do you see El Paso Matters growing from here? Do you? How do you take the next step, if that's even possible? And if you, let's just say you had a wish list of all the things you would like to incorporate that currently are not uh, part of the model, what would you like to see here in the, uh, in the years to come? Uh, th- there are a number of things, uh, uh, and it all starts with raising money. So a- as a nonprofit, uh, it's, a, it's a different business model, but it doesn't exempt us from business pressures. We still have to make payroll. We still have to have money coming in the door. Uh, over our first four years, we've been heavily funded by a couple of major national philanthropies who see the importance of El Paso. Um, uh, increasingly, we have to raise more money within the community to do it. That comes from individual donors. I think our smallest donor is giving us a dollar a month. Uh, uh, you know, up to hopefully more foundations uh, giving us million-dollar grants so we can continue to grow. There are immense needs that really aren't being covered. And I'm not, you know, this is not a knock on the El Paso Times or TV stations. It's just the reality that we're living in. We don't have uh, really great coverage of the criminal justice system in El Paso, for example. Uh, I think uh, we continue to need more uh, in-depth reporting on government accountability, um, and I think uh, we need uh, uh, to have better El Paso-focused reporting on the state capitol, for example. There's so many decisions being made uh, in Austin on El Paso that El Pasoans don't have a voice in because there, uh, there is no media organization based on the border that currently has a political or has a reporter in Austin. We're talking about 10 percent of the state's population not having – their interests serve. So that's a, 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 a big uh, goal. I think talking about uh, the culture that makes El Paso so unique, there's lots of opportunities there. Uh, there's probably some room in, in the sports realm, uh, although I think uh, local TV and the El Paso Times do a pretty good job of covering it. And obviously, you're doing a good job of covering it here. So that's not as pressing of a need. Uh, and then we also have to look at how do we get information to people who prefer to get news in Spanish. Uh, and we have obviously uh, good TV stations here uh, uh, providing that coverage, but they're not geared up to like cover elections in depth. And we've worked some partnerships with the Univision affiliate over the years to help with election coverage. We need to do more of that. So lo- lots and lots of needs uh, um, I, I probably need another 10 or $15 million a year to start doing some of all that. We're at a million and a half right now and growing. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can get the uh, county to tack us onto their bond issue. That's something we'll be talking about as we uh, move forward. I love that. Uh, does the website have an app? And if not, is that on your wish list? Uh, uh, no app and no, not on the wish list. Uh, uh, I think uh, the uh, apps are kind of a, a – for, especially local news apps are kind of a niche market. They appeal to 
uh, to an older generation uh, but don't have much uh, functionality for younger readers, we really need to expand uh, our reach among younger audiences. So we're going to look at expanding uh, more to text messaging. Uh, we're building out our TikTok channel right now, uh, to, uh, and our biggest social media audience is on Instagram. I think we're probably a rarity among news organizations that way. So uh, our focus really is trying to, to connect with a younger audience and, frankly, more of an audience on the east side of El Paso because we're really kind of uh, yeah. downtown west in our audience right now. Bob Moore is with us from El Paso Matters as we continue here on Sports Talk. So uh, you mentioned earlier sports is, is not a, a focus of your site, but that doesn't mean that you don't get a chance to hear stories and interesting things coming around uh, the sports world in El Paso, especially knowing that after years of the whole uh, Duranguito situation with uh, the city and Max Grossman, the arena has been kind of put on the burner for now. And I'm wondering what you're hearing regarding potentially uh, an arena still being built and also hearing rumors about potentially the Sun Bowl, UTEP, and the county. So a lot of interesting topics to hit on. Where should we go first, Bob? Uh, we can talk a little bit about the, the future of the arena. I think where the city's looking right now, uh, they, they haven't said this formally, but reading between uh, the lines, you can see it. They're, they're looking at property they already own over by um, uh the uh, uh, the rail station where the Sun Metro bus yards are right now. Um, when you look at what they did with the ballpark, you can kind of see a pattern. It's easier to develop on land you already own, yeah. um, uh, which is why they demolished City Hall for for the for the baseball stadium. So, I think that's one of the reasons they're looking at, at, at that property. Uh, you know, obviously, twelve years have passed since that bond issue. Uh, um, uh, was approved by voters overwhelmingly. Um, you you may have heard something about inflation over the last couple of years. That alone has eroded the value of that hundred eighty million dollars that that voters approved. So um, the the sort of building that was envisioned uh, in twenty twelve is not possible anymore with the amount of money that they have available. So I think they're going to have to look at scaling it down. Does there ever get to a point, or since that money was passed back in 2012, they find another either way to repurpose it, or can you just um, almost remove it? And, and yeah, it's going to cost millions over the course of time based on what they've purchased for the arena and, and the litigation. But is it better to just uh, you know put that money someplace else? Well, they can't put the money someplace else. That's the uh, 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 because voters approved it for a specific purpose. Um, they can't say, "Oh, instead of uh, building an arena, we're going to go build Steve Kaplow. It's a luxury home on the west side, right?" They've they've got to spend it for the pro purpose that that voters approved. They could just decide legally not to sell the bonds, and they have not sold most of the 180 million in bonds so far. They've they've sold a part of it. Uh, for land acquisition and s some other things, uh, so they could just say we we can't do this, and we're just we're going to save taxpayers some money and just not sell these bonds. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a possible outcome. I think the, the, I haven't heard anybody really seriously approaching that. I think what they're really looking at is what can we build at scale, um, and where can we build it. I think the, the other thing we have to acknowledge is that the sports and entertainment world in 2024 is much, much different than it was in 2012 for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, 
so that you know the 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 venue envisioned in in 2012 may not make sense today anyhow. correct correct uh, so we have to figure out uh, a business plan you know figure out a what they can what they can build b you know is there a business plan that can viably generate the kind of revenue that we needed to get some return on investment yeah and and this is something that again will take more time and the longer it goes well unless you decide to go for a much smaller scale uh it it just gets more and more expensive yeah it, it's it's not it's not going to get cheaper uh, but but I really do think we need to make sure we're taking a serious look at what the uh, especially the entertainment environment is right now. Uh, you know, uh, big Taylor Swift kind of stadium tours uh, have been all the rage. I see Billy Joel's doing one again, again next year. Um, uh, but th- there's only a handful of acts that can stage those kind of productions, and so you don't see. Lots of touring acts filling 10,000-seat arenas these days. So we kind of have to think through what's going to be there. And then also, if the city's going to build a facility, it probably needs an anchor tenant, much like they have at the at the ballpark. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure what that would be right now. Do you think the Locomotive FC would be that tenant if that were to be the case? Is that enough of a draw right there, Bob? They, they'd have that, that would have to be an open air facility. Uh, I, I don't believe they can make that an enclosed facility, and I'm not sure that the language of the bond issue would allow them to build a soccer stadium when they promised a multi purpose art and entertainment center. I'll say this about the Haskins Center. That facility has been booked for so many concerts over the course of 2023 that um, the basketball coaches were both complaining that they didn't even get a chance to get into that facility until November when their seasons were starting because it was always being used. A lot of Tejano shows and other concerts and hip-hop, and and, and they're trying to use that and get as much money from that venue as they possibly can. Right, and so any... Uh, new venue built in El Paso would have to compete with that or would have to differentiate itself from that in yeah. some ways. Uh, so um, a- a- anybody doing a study on how to use a facility would always begin by looking at what are the alternatives already available in the local market. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that's, uh, again, a-, a story that we'll keep an eye on in terms of a possible arena. The rail yards make sense. I know Max Grossman has been reporting a possible collaboration with the city, the county, and the community foundation using the uh, land by Asarco. They're the o- he's the only one that's reported that. I haven't heard that from anybody else. Have you had a chance to uh, to, to get any confirmation on the potential partnership there? Well, the, the, the math on that doesn't add up, but mainly because it, it, it requires the county to be a partner. The county just had a very extended conversation about a potential bond issue uh, coming up later in 2024. There's a story up on El Paso Matters about that. The county can max out at about $350 million in new bonding capacity. Um, I'm not sure there's an appetite to go that full direction to begin with. But the needs that the county outlined at the meeting last week, which did not include an arena, did not include any additions to the Sun Bowl, those needs from the county, which include like uh, 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 rebuilding Escotate Park, Uh, You know, doing something to update the uh, county coliseum, finding more office space for uh, 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 the judiciary, which is uh, hemmed in. 
all of that would exceed what they have available. So the county has to set some priorities. Uh, Judge Samaniego at that meeting did sort of float the idea about the Sun Bowl, for example, like, hey, you can't have Taylor Swift concerts at the Sun Bowl. We might be able to look at um, uh, something to help the UTEP out on that. Let's talk Cr- about crickets. That. By the way, was the response really? Because yes. I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that specifically when we come back. Because we're up for a break, and we'll do that more with Bob Moore as we continue from El Paso Matters. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Right now with uh, Bob Moore from El Paso Matters. Bob has been uh, joining us uh, this hour and continue to talk uh, about uh, some of the interesting uh, topics that he's hearing, especially the the county and the Sun Bowl. Now, um, was this an idea of UTEP uh, getting the county involved again since they originally sold the Sun Bowl back to them for, I think, a dollar uh, some 20-something years ago? And tell me a little bit about how this is transpiring. So there hasn't been a lot of public discussion about this, which is true with most uh, government transactions that involve real estate or whatever uh, ahead of time. But we've been picking up signals for the last year or so that there had been some conversations going on about how to uh, uh, upgrade the Sun Bowl, uh, where the money would come from. And one of the conversations was about – using county bond funds to, to be able to do that. And I don't know who initiated the conversations yeah. or how, how far they got. The, uh, as, you, as you noted, uh, the Sun Bowl, when it was built, was the property of El Paso County. It was built with uh, county uh, bond funds. Uh, and then during the uh, administration of uh, County Judge Dolores Briones, uh, the uh, uh, county essentially sold uh, the stadium uh, to the University of Texas system um, for um, a very low dollar price and then some concessions. And so then the university system took over administration of, of the Sun Bowl. Um, and the, I think the, in the contract, like one day a year, it reverts to the county, and that's for the Sun Bowl, uh, if I remember the, mm-hmm. the details right. Um, obviously, uh, the, the Sun Bowl is not up to the level of many other pr- premier college stadium. So the question is, if you upgrade it, who's going to pay for it? Uh, uh, I don't believe, uh, and I'm not cautioning everybody, I'm not an attorney, obviously, but I don't believe a county government can expend its funds on something that it doesn't own. Mm -hmm. So I think you'd have to have a a change in ownership again. Um, uh, And I don't think conversations have gone that far. When, as I was mentioning before the break, uh, Judge Samaniego kind of floated this idea at the last commissioner's meeting where they talked about possible bond issues later this year, and there was no interest from anybody else uh, in that meeting in kind of following up on that idea. So I don't get the sense that uh, uh, doing something to rehabilitate the Sun Bowl is uh, on any major agenda at the county right now. From what you're hearing, does UTEP have any interest in wanting to give the Sun Bowl or sell the Sun Bowl back to the county? Uh, th- that I don't know. I think if they had conversations about how to, to fund it, that was probably something that that they looked at. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and obviously, it's in UTEP's interest to upgrade the stadium um, uh, longer term. But, you know, uh, you're the expert on this. That, I mean— the long-term future of college football. I think you know, if you were building a stadium 
in El Paso today for the University of Texas at El Paso, I don't believe you'd be building a 50,000-seat stadium. No, uh, it'd probably be closer to 25 or 30. Right. That's just the reality of where the conference they're in and, and ultimately fans that, that attend these games. Uh, Adrian, I want you to get in on this conversation. We do have a winner on our uh, Brian Regan contest. Congratulations to John Poor. John is going to be going to the show on the 23rd. We're going to be giving away tickets every day this week. So listen in to Sports Talk at 600 ES. Piano Paso and find out how you can join John and be at the show. Bob, I want to ask you about some of the bonds, or I guess I should say some of the uh, you know things that could get issued with this that might not necessarily require voter approval. How much will that factor into the El Paso County's prioritization? We talked about this earlier, where, whether it's a Scott at the, the county courthouse. How will that factor into it when you talk about those that don't necessarily require uh, the voter approval? There was some new legislation passed a couple of years ago that essentially prohibits the use of certificates of obligation, which are bonds without voter approval for quality of life uh, uh, actions. So that is not a viable path at all uh, for for any of these these kinds of sports related programs. And I think you know we have to remember sort of the broader construct here. We are in a a, a low income community. Uh, that has a ton of infrastructure needs that it can't fund. We are in a low-income community that is declining in population in the city. Here's here's a number I want to throw out to you that I discovered when I was doing some research this weekend. The number of children under the age of 10 in El Paso today is 12% lower than it was a decade ago. we are uh, uh, we've been bleeding population here for a number of years for for a variety of reasons, but I think much of it tied to the wage structure in in El Paso. And one of the things that's playing out is that that next generation coming on uh, is much, much smaller than preceding generations. And that's going to have all kinds of ripple effects. For example, uh, in the next seven or eight years, you're going to begin to see, a pretty rapid decline in student enrollment at high schools. And we're probably going to have to have some very painful conversations in the community about closing high schools or consolidating high schools. That means there's fewer student athletes out there that, yeah. that can play. Uh, so all of these things are taking – when you look at like what should we be doing sports or entertainment-wise in the community – a lot of the discussion about that is going to be constrained by all of these other community needs. You know, it's funny because if you asked me what to do, I would immediately say fix up the Haskins Center, add some suites and some club areas, take 2,000 seats out and go to about a 10,000-seat venue when it's all said and done. How are and, you going to pay for it? Well, that's, UTEP's going to have to. That's the hardest part. Is UTEP's going to have to be the one to pay for it. It's not going to be the city. Right. It's not going to be the county. It's going to have to be UTEP. So, so and, I don't know how, remember, and I don't know how they're going to pay Remember for what it. I just said about the number of children declining in town? Yeah. That is going to have a massive impact on UTEP's student enrollment uh, 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 starting in the next two or three years uh, because the bulk of their students come from El Paso County. So uh, being able to talk about a massive expansion of uh, – uh, or not even an expansion, just uh, up- upgrades to a facility to make it more user-friendly mm-hmm. is going to be very expensive uh, without n- necessarily having a, a return on investment immediately identified. So those are those are difficult questions. And also you, you're talking about, um, uh, you know, doing things to improve entertainment in the community – but realize that the choices just aren't 
like what venue should we spend money on to improve entertainment? It's also what should we be doing to prioritize the spending of money? Do we want to build uh, uh, an enhanced uh, entertainment arena before we uh, improve the road infrastructure in El Paso, for example? All of those are trade-offs that we have to, to, to take into mind. And those are decisions that elected officials are going to have to make and voters are going to have to make. I think the toughest thing right now, uh, as we continue really our conversation with Bob Moore from El Paso Matters, is that um, – let's just use UTEP Athletics for an example, okay? Um, now, in 2024, you have um, giving to the program. You have giving to each individual sport. You have giving to NIL. There's three different things that ultimately could, uh, you know, that you, that the university is trying to secure dollars. I mean, you want to give to UTEP Athletics as a whole to help the athletic department out. You also want to give to each individual sport to give coaches more um, uh, money and to, to do different things. But you also now need to uh, get the NILs going so that you can retain athletes and bring in big athletes to try to grow. And UTEP has not yet found a way to cultivate um, more and more donor money. They have the same donors that they've had in the past. They might have a few here and there. But the hardest part is, Bob, that you can only go to the well so many times. And there's going to come a point where those donors are going to say, hey, listen, I know you keep coming after me for this, but this is great. But we gotta, you got to find, find more donors. And if you don't, it really that's the dilemma that UTEP has is they've got to split their money and contributions up in so many different directions. Which one's more important? NIL. Give to those programs. Give to the athletic department so you can fix up facilities. There's just a lot of things and not as many, uh, you know, and, and not as much money that's that's available at the moment. Yeah, and I know this is a sports show, but just to add to the challenges, UTEP also has to find ways to build new science laboratories. Uh, for example, they need donors to fund all of that. So when they go out uh, to the alumni base, there's this wide array of needs that they have to ask for, uh, and again. I don't want to poor mouth El Paso because I think we use uh, low income levels as an excuse sometimes. But we, it is a reality that we are in a low income, low wealth community and we don't have the access to some of those major donors that a lot of other universities do. Yeah. You know, Bob, one of the other parts of this that I find real interesting is where the Community Foundation fits into this. Like we were talking about earlier, the Max Grossman, um, you know, I guess he was just talking about different sources that he talked about, different stories that he heard behind the scenes. What what role do they play into this right here? They've been mainly as a convener for other uh, uh, projects. And I think the, the La Nube Children's Museum is a, a, a great example they sort of have agreed to raise some amount of money, but they sort of serve as a conduit for others to come in and, and join. The, the Community Foundation, which is in full disclosure one of our funders at El Paso Matters, doesn't have a pool of hundreds of millions of dollars sitting around. So even if they were involved, they would have to find a way to go out and raise those funds. And you still have the other uh, uh, challenges that, that we've been talking about going on so that the community foundation is not a magic source of funding. If you asked me and I, and, and it just said to me, what is the biggest necessity in terms of sports in this town? I would say not an arena. Say build a soccer-specific stadium that also can serve as a multi-purpose entertainment facility 
almost like an outdoor amphitheater type so that you can bring in those intermediate outdoor shows that maybe are too uh, small for the Sun Bowl, but you don't really have any outdoor concert amphitheater like you have in cities like Albuquerque and Phoenix. And if you can knock out two birds with one stone, Bob, and and house the locomotive, but also make it a concert venue, now you found a way to really enhance, I, I think, both sports and entertainment here in the city. Uh, I could sit here all day and give uh, uh, people advice on how to spend other people's money. Uh, the, the question becomes, so who's going to pay for it? And what's the potential return on investment and all of that? And how does it layer in with all of the other multiple needs in the community? So even when you talk about Mountain Star Sports, which has been the major sports investor in town, the people behind Mountain Star Sports are also investing in other community needs, too. So how do we balance all of those needs out? I think it's it's real easy to get kind of focused on on what each of us kind of considers the most important thing out there. Yeah. But th- there's not this infinite pool of money that, that exists out there. Uh, and, and I think we have to be very careful, especially when we start talking about public dollars, how we're going to spend it in a way that is going to maximize uh, the taxpayer's return on investment. How can we use resources, for example, that begin to increase the wage structure in town, which is the major uh, impediment to a lot of this other stuff that we're doing? We are just bleeding young adults um, uh, all across the, the, the community, and we need to do some things that will help retain them. And that's going to mean somehow raising the wage structure in town. Bob, is the other reality check that us here in our ecosystem of sports need to realize is that there are other priorities out there in this community that maybe our county would prioritize ahead of the sports side of things? Uh, uh, always, which is not to diminish the importance of sports. I think uh, 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 a healthy sports environment and a healthy entertainment environment in a community is part of the quality of life that helps to retain people and and to attract people. So it's not that sports are unimportant. Uh, It's just that in a community like El Paso, we have uh, more needs than we can meet at this moment, whether you're talking about sports, health care, whatever the case may be. I'll say this, though. In 2012, when that bond issue was passing for the quality of life, my son was six months old. Mm -hmm. Had I known then what I know now, I would have championed more youth sports facilities in that large bond issue when it came out because they could have used um, a better or more, I shouldn't say better, but because you've got one on the east side, but the west side could have used a baseball-softball complex. We do not have any basketball-volleyball complexes, and it's a shame that so many teams spend so much money leaving town instead of hosting here because there just are not enough quality facilities for youth uh, athletes to, to play like we have in, in, in so many other towns. Just, just to challenge the thought for a second, you've just proposed investing money in the uh, uh, most rapidly depleting pop- part of our population. Uh, That's right. That's right. But if the facilities were there would there be maybe a little bit of a different look towards younger young you know more more families with kids here maybe part of the reason they're not sticking around is they don't have some of those facilities here like they have in other places and some of the families would rather go where there's just more amenities for them that's a position of privilege and i think that probably does occur i think the the most important reason 
young families choose to leave El Paso is they need to make more money than they can make here. Could you ever see a situation where that changes and the money increases and thus more people come back to El Paso? Yes, but it's going to take a lot of work uh, and it's going to require increasing uh, educational attainment levels uh, in town. It's a very, very complex problem uh, uh, to, to tackle. And I don't think we talk about it enough in the community right now. Maybe we need to talk about that some more. I think yeah. that's a pretty good idea. Um, once again, Bob Moore, ElPasoMatters.org. If you have not yet had a chance to check out the website, please do explore. you got a lot of stuff uh, right now. EPISD union alleges wage theft after speech pathologist raises were less than expected. That's the first thing on the website. You've got, you mentioned books. Uh, you've got books featured by the El Paso Matters Book Club last year. And a lot of other stories. Hey, you've also got the El Paso County preparing to ask for taxpayer, uh, taxpayers for up to $350 million in November bond election. That's also up as well. And we're about to have a sports-adjacent story publishing shortly, a kind of a, a sad story. But uh, uh, Wayne Thornton kind of uh, turned me on to this over the weekend. Uh, Gil Volks, who was one of the co-creators of Goldie and Gus, uh, everybody uh, uh, yep. in El Paso knows that very well. Uh, she passed away over the weekend, um, and uh, her co-creator had passed away a few years ago. So we want to uh, make sure to pay tribute to that. Uh, and uh, I know I probably just planted that song in everybody's ear, and I mm. apologize for that. No, we haven't heard that in a while, so there you go. Bob, great to see you. Thanks for dropping by, and uh, we'll definitely get a chance to have you back here uh, often in 2024. I promise you that. Th- thanks for having me, and go Broncos. There he is, Bob Moore. Have to wait till next year for that to come true, or at least next season for that. Wait Wait till uh, September when season starts up again. All right, we'll come back. John Teicher will join us in our final countdown right now here. 600 to ESPN El Paso.